Yes, hello. I am James Rowlands, and today it's the Dubinar 481. It's the Forbidden Door, but I am not alone. I have a pleasure to be joined by our resident NXT expert and New Japan deity. It is Monty. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Always uh, over the moon uh, around Forbidden Door season, you know, before it and after it, you know, uh, so far. Just got the second one out of the way. I can't, you know. It's been it's been always it's always been an experience when it comes to watching New Japan's working relationship with AEW, but getting to sit there and just let let those guys do what they do best and see a little bit of the best of both rosters in that format, uh, it's always an honor. So yeah, man, I'm I'm happy to be here to talk about this show and you know this this show this this particular show is always special to me. You know more special than any AEW event that happens. Uh, I'm always looking forward to Forbidden Door. So uh, yeah. Yeah, like I said, without a shadow of a doubt. And people may be wondering where uh, Jaxie and Gina are. Unfortunately, they can't make it. And again, I'm not going to blame Monty for everything. But, I mean, it's mm-hmm. a good way to start because we originally were going to do it uh, midweek and we had to change it. So don't yeah. email me and complain Jaxie and Gina aren't here. It's Monty's fault. Right. right? It's not yeah, blame fault. me. Blame uh, me. It's all my fault. And he's forced me, everybody listening here. If you're thinking, oh, James sounds a bit rough today. Well, I am, because last night <laughs> I, was, I was at Money in the Bank uh, watching that, and Woo! Jesus Christ, we're going to do a full review next uh, Saturday or next Sunday, whenever we can, next weekend. Mm-hmm. So if I am a little bit croaky and stuff like that, is because of it. Uh, I have got a few Money in the Bank notes, and Monty, you can tell as an unbiased, you're going to be an unbiased <laughs> person in this one. Gotcha. All right, because last mm-hmm. night, I like I said, I've been to a few events, and I, I don't think I, I've, I've ever kind of been to one that was just, firstly, so loud to begin with. To start off with that, um, yeah. Money in the Bank, or as I called it, LA Knight versus others in Money in the Bank. <laughs> <laughs> Man, was he over. Like, even walking around Arena Pit, LA Knight, yeah, you know, it was just like... <laughs> Wow, you know, and they, yeah, you know, all he did was a, he did a DDT, and you guys went insane. What do you think? How proud I am, Monty, that we loved like LA Knight versus Cameron Grimes, and now everybody's on like the LA yeah. Knight train, and now yeah, exactly, and the conversations <laughs> we were having with everybody, and you agree, and you go yeah, it's just uh, uh crazy how much he was loved. Like I said, Logan Paul was detested. Uh, <laughs> he yeah. really, really the winter tent. Oh my goodness! My God, he was, <laughs> and and I tell you what, I'm glad Ricochet made him bleed in the what the fuck did he just do and what did it look like? Uh, as we were saying around us, like it was, it was pretty incredible. We're not going to ruin the result, obviously, because we can yeah. do a full review. Yeah. Even though I did mm-hmm. see Priest biding his time at ringside, there's only problem about watching your event. Not on TV. Yeah, live. You get to see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. A lot of the things that we don't get, to, we're, we, a lot of things that's protected from the viewer through camera angles, you get to see it all. You know, them getting their breath together, setting up the next spot, all of that type of stuff. You get to see it. Yeah, honestly, yeah. And uh, the next match, we had a big turn because the crowd was a little bit quiet as the women's tag match started. And then we were yeah. just like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah, what man. Shit. Um, oh, I was so in shock. So in shock. No, did not see it coming at all. <laughs> I have said I don't think you, anyone did. 
I have sent you the video of the next thing, right? Um, and which yeah. after the Gunther versus Bro match, uh, <laughs> Drew McIntyre returned, and I I did lose my shit. This <laughs> the next hour of this show was a blur of kind of noise. Yeah. <laughs> just awesome, man. We just. Oh. I honestly, as soon as Drew come out, it was Cody. It was booing Dom, being yeah. impressed by Rhea, <laughs> woeing all the time. Cena arrived, and then we just mania might have been mentioned. And then we yeah, just, we My were goodness. just having a party. You even gave Waller hell. He gave Waller oh, hell. Fucking hell! You know, to be fair to Cena, he was saying this when I was seeing him at the O2 back in 2010. But again, I'll give him, I'll give him credit. Uh, for getting that crowd going. <laughs> and it was crazy that we used the woman's la- la- uh, money in the bank match to calm down. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which then uh, just turned into Io. Again, one of our favourites, Io Sky. You know? Yeah. How many times have I said how cool? Do you know how cool how it cool is, Monty, to see her win the money in the in bank? In person. Match? You know, like, oh, man. Yeah, man. And I, I can only imagine. And I will say as well, I've got to give a shout out because um, on Friday and Saturday, I sat next to a guy. Uh, I think his name was Simon. Or I, if I forgot your name wrong, mate, I really apologise. But we couldn't hear shit when we were in there, could we? Uh, but we, we sat next <laughs> to each other for both shows. Really, really fun. He was a big EO Sky fan. Uh, really, nice. really nice company. And like I said, the whole... I like to think of it, Monty, as like sections. So I've kind of got like my own section that I don't don't control per se, but just you know like <laughs> few st- chants will start or you know you kind right. of you just have a little banter between you. That's kind of the thing about the events that I love. I, I assume it's the same in America, but especially kind of here, you know, there's a real camaraderie yeah. and like you know chat. It's the them. same, but so different. It's so different. Like you guys bring that element that that I think mi- is missing from a lot of American shows. Like we get on the same page for the most part, especially when the when the pay-per-views are really, really good, you can tell uh, when an American audience is really into a show and you can tell when the show is doing well. But you guys, man, you guys in corporate, you get like, it, it, it's, it, again, I always compare it to football over there or like, you know, it's just that, it's that, that, that energy just, and like you said, you guys being all on the same page, the song, you know what song you're going to sing next, it feels like. It's like, again, you like Cena may have been blowing a little smoke, but you guys literally were the show because you just waiting. What? How can they keep doing this? I was wondering, like, how can you guys keep this type of energy up for three bleeping hours? And trust me, they did it. <laughs> no, honestly, like, we, 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 mental element of the match was, like, great. But like I said, the next time I kind of looked at the clock, we were, like, the well, two and a half hours in, you know? Like, that yeah. was, like I said, that was when. And then at that point, obviously, Seth Rollins with his song as well. Uh, and everything went there, you know. And it's crazy because even today, thinking about it, I forgot about that match. So, like, I was looking back. Wow. And, oh, yeah, that happened, <laughs> didn't it? Like, that's how kind of crazy <laughs> everything was at that moment in time. Uh, really, really was. And then, of course, the main event, man. I mean, I tell you something, Monty, mm-hmm. never it's an ending of a match turned into a party. Like, we singing that Uso <laughs> song. I mean, all of us on our feet, bopping up and down, just like, oh, oh my, my goodness. I'm getting chills just thinking about it now. Like, the whole, I don't yeah. know how long they showed 
review, but the Usos were in that ring for 20 fucking minutes. Like, giving it, <laughs> giving it <laughs> Yeah, I think they cut to the press conference, but yeah, they definitely, you can tell on the Usos' face, like, they were even surprised at just how, like, how into it, and not only that, their song, like, again, like, you guys were, every leader, you know, y'all repeated that down since day one line perfectly every time. We picked it up on at home on televisions on on the computer so everyone's got a chance to really hear you guys put on a show and you can just tell the Usos were having the time of their life and I know you guys were too man it was yeah man that, it was that was special it was just yeah. special stuff and I felt like this too I was like this is a little wink wink nudge nudge he they owed you one like you remember what happened at the end of yeah. the whale at the whale show they owed I think Hunter knew yeah. we owed you a good ending and they gave you guys one not some Tyson Fury song. <laughs> I'm about to say, yeah, Roman got pinned in one of the events. Might not have been the one we wanted, but um, like you said, it, it was so, so good. I'm looking forward to re-watching it uh, to see kind of Roman because yeah. like when he sat down... Oh, he was when great. We was, when we were standing <laughs> up and he sat on the apron, man, we fucking pissed him. We nearly started cheering him. Like Honestly, it was just gold. So I want to see what his face was. Because I know even, you know, like I said, the action itself was fantastic. <laughs> But I just know, like, with the near falls and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And wait till you hear him on the mic, because you know Roman loves to talk. So yeah. just wait till you hear him. He was, he was a great time. <laughs> Honestly, it was great. And afterwards, we uh, danced and sang and some more well into the car park and, of course, into the early hours of the morning, man. So, I mean, money in the bank. Like I said, I'd have to re-watch it, because at the moment, it's, like I said, it was a party. It wasn't a wrestling event. It was just 18,000 people having the time of their lives, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I understand. I, I think that's what it is. Like, this is money in the bank, but you guys, anytime you have a special event over there, and I, I can't wait to hear about Wembley, man. I know that's going to be, it's going to be even more people, so it's going to probably be even more of like of a like a holiday. But, uh, you know, I think, what I would compare your crowds to is like what we try to do, or what American audiences try to do at WrestleMania. But you guys do that for any show almost that's over there, it seems like. Like to where it's just, you can tell the drinks are flowing, it's a celebration. It's not even really about the wrestling uh, as much, even though, of course, the wrestling is just like the icing on top because you guys bring the energy. And again, it just felt like a big party, man. I can't wait to talk about it in more detail next week. Well, like I said, I think the crowd would be happy if they just played entrance themes for two hours. Right. But as you said, Monty, it's an excellent point because the UK has been very lucky, you know, to have money in the bank at the O2. And of course, we've got all in at, uh, at Wembley at the end of August. Yeah. Of course, AEW will be Ooh. hosting all in. Sam, we are here today to talk about the Forbidden Door. If I can remember it uh <laughs> you're gonna have to be <laughs> you might have to help me out here but we i get it fine uh so to... oh, osprey and uh omega had a match did they oh really <laughs> <laughs> let me see what happens no so here we go june 25th toronto canada feels like a lifetime ago but it is AEW new japan forbidden door zero hour with an Paquette and rj sitting we had chaos versus Mogul Embassy to start us off with Strickland, Khan, Leona and Cage, Sikon, Beretta, Taylor, Romero and Desperado in eight-man tag team action. Everyone did a good job and got the crowd hyped for the show. Mogul Embassy scored the women's swerve hit a double stomp on Romero. Uh, Monty, what were your thoughts on this? 
Yeah, you you pretty much said it, it was a pretty good multi man match. Both teams uh, got their stuff in in the time that they were given. It was a fun enough way to pretty much kick off things. I don't really have an issue with it. it wasn't anything special. I think it was the uh, like a textbook like multi man tag match, uh, you know, pre show style, or if you want to even say like for New Japan, a lot of their road two shows have these type of matches. That's kind of like this, and this is what that reminded me of. So it was, you know, right, right. It was textbook, you know, type of stuff, really. Uh, but yeah, I, I didn't have a problem with it. I think I gave it three and a quarter. It was a pretty good start. Yeah, like I say, uh, it's nice to see Chris join Excalibur and Kevin on commentary for the right. Zero Hour. Despy looked good. I'm not sure he liked the hug. Uh, and I, I'm no. putting my bets <laughs> on Swerve having a bigger match this time next year as well. Please, I hope so. He deserves. You know, he deserves to be in a title match spot. You know, whether it's challenging, whether it's being a defending champion. I, I'm putting my bets on maybe defending champion by then. Hopefully, you know, we'll see TNT or maybe even uh, he finally hunt down Orange Cassidy. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But I think he definitely should be a champion uh, by next year. Yeah, I'll give us 3.95. Nice way to start. Predictions. We've got the Prediction Leagues 2023. The four bidding door. WWE, I was on three points. Monty was on two with Gina. Jaxie on one. Bonus League, Jaxie and Gina both on 11. Me and Monty on 14. AEW at the moment, Monty's in lead on two. James J. Jaxie on one. For this match, we went Swerve through all on one. We then had the Owen Hart Cup tournament continuing with Billy Starks versus Athena. Couple of missteps, but most of the match was hard hitting. Allowed both women to shine. Final few minutes woke the crowd up. <coughs> Excuse me. But they started hitting bigger spots. Athena winning was predictable but probably the right call as well. And I think the bump Billy took in the apron looked sick. Yeah, man. This was pretty, really, really good. You know, I love the pacing to start it out. You know, they started out really, really quick, and then, you know, it kind of developed into a really physical fight. And uh, I thought Starks not really being taken seriously at the beginning or someone that you think that even had a chance against Athena, I thought it would hurt it coming into it. But really, she gave a really good effort. She was uh, uh, very aggressive and matched Athena's uh, energy. And Athena's work since becoming a heel, you know, I know most of this, most of her stuff has been taking place on Ring of Honor, which is a shame because I don't think the eyes, you know, get, she's not getting the eyeballs on just how good her work has been since turning heel. But I really enjoyed her evolution. You know, she's another one of those people. I know she wasn't really in me and your era watching the NXT uh, review. She was in there, you know, towards the end of her run in WWE, but not. You know, not that initial run, but me and you are both very familiar of how good the former Ember Moon really is. And I really have enjoyed her evolution as a character. She, and uh, she was as solid as ever here. And Billy stuck with her really good in this one. So I, I really uh, enjoyed her giving a good fight. And again, like uh, Athena's confidence is through the roof right now. She's having fun. This was really good, man. I gave it three and three quarters. Yeah, no, I gave it three and a half. Like you said, though, I haven't seen Athena in about a year. So even if yeah. uh, undefeated <laughs> Street Ring of Honor, I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah, it, that's why. It's a shame. She's been doing great. But again, no one is able to watch it because not everyone is, has time to catch up with this stuff. Yeah. Uh, up next, did you know Vincent won AEW? I, I didn't. Last time I saw him was on Impact. Nope. He, he, <laughs> he came out with Stu Grayson and Dutch. Me neither. To take Didn't home. even know Stu was out of the dark <laughs> order. Like, who, who he got the righteous? Okay, all right. Nice to meet you, guy. Yeah, it's like a nice <laughs> name. But again, yeah, it's like, what? <laughs> um, to take on um, ELP, El Fantasmo. Uh, Grayson immediately took control, 
This wasn't the squash, but definitely designed to make Grayson look good, who controlled the pace for most of the match. Fantasmo still has some standout moments. ELP was able to get a clean win. And please, I've heard this. People think he looks like Logan Paul. It's just a haircut. He's not new. Oh, my goodness. It's just a hair. (laughs) Yeah, he's just just a hair. I promise. I promise. He's also been doing this a lot longer than Logan Paul. Like, now the wrestling market is coming out. Like, come on now. Calm down. Come on. He could not wipe ELP's boots, honestly, at this point. But, hey, we'll leave it alone. I'll leave it alone. (laughs) It's the halftime. But, yeah, the, Um, the match, I was happy ELP got a chance to have this match, though. You know, home country, you know, he's one of my favorites, honestly. I don't think he's ever had a match that I did not enjoy. And even though this was quick, like you mentioned, and this dude got a lot of the offense in, trying to show uh, what he can do in this setting. Because, you know, Stu, like, like you mentioned, when he was in the Dark Order, he was mostly in tag matches. So it was kind of cool to get to see uh, what Stu can do by himself in this, uh, with, you know, a lot of time given. Uh, and it didn't overstay his welcome. You know, ELP pretty much put him away uh, pretty quickly once he kind of got the crowd going in, in his favor. So, I really enjoyed this match. It's probably my my favorite match on the on the zero hour at this point. So yeah, I gave it a three and three quarters too. Yeah, that said, with ELP, what I like about him and what I like about New Japan is that obviously they've got confidence in him, former and the character, so we know he's just going to yeah. blossom. You know, like and again, the reaction right. to the crowd is like, well, we'll see what he does in a year. Like I said, especially coming out of the Bullet Club mm-hmm. now. And what we know he can do. I mean, he was putting on bangers and impact uh, last year, you know. So right. we know, you know when he's called upon. Uh, Prediction-wise, we all went ELP, we all went free. So we all went Athena earlier as well. Fourth match was United Empire versus Los Inaugurables. The best you're going to get. Uh, it's Carl Fletcher, TJP, <laughs> and Jeff Cobb representing United Empire against LIJ's Bushi, Romi Takahashi, and Shingo. Uh, Takaki in the final pre-show match. It was mayhem for the moment the bell rang. All six men began fighting. It took a few minutes for it down to TJP and Bushi as illegal men. Uh, with TJP uh, getting hit with uh, Shingo's finisher. This was short but energetic. Crowd had fun. Um, and again, what a team from United Empire. When you think about, you know, Fletcher will be leading this group one day. TJP on this podcast, was actually in the CWC having Iron Men matches in, uh, in Impact with mm-hmm. Alexander, you know. And your man Shingo getting the win, Monty. That's good times. Yeah, man, this is really, really good. It, it really made me wonder what the hell was I thinking coming into it predicting uh, the Empire had a chance, man, because, again, I forgot Hiromo couldn't do the, the Forbidden Door last year, so I should have known he wasn't going to lose his debut really in like AEW. And then you have Shingo there, like you said, a walking juggernaut. Uh, but this was uh, another textbook, New Japan type of style, trios match opener. And uh, again, uh, it was really, really uh, solid. Like you said, fast paced. I think they when they started the match, it was only like 12 minutes or 10 minutes left in there. So you kind of knew that they didn't have a lot of time to work with, but I think everyone still got a chance to do what they uh, do best. And it definitely accomplished the goal of keeping the crowd into it, too. So, yeah, man, uh, I, I I would never doubt my guys again. That's why I love LIJ. But, uh, you know, again, this is a really, really good uh, stuff. And like you said, the United Empire, that's just the talent. Again, it's one thing I always say. I love Jeff Cobb so much that I wonder why 
Uh, every that, that's why, but he's someone that I should never root for because it seems like he don't he don't ever win when you need him to. Like I love Jeff Cobb, but there's nothing he can't do in that ring. You would think he would be dominant, you know, even in New Japan. But he's this guy who does not, who doesn't all, especially in some of these spots, does, don't get the win to go or don't think get things to go in his favor. But either way it go, this was really really fun. I, I bet it against Lij, maybe it was too much best of the Super Juniors. Uh, me doubting Bushi, but hey. This was no problem. I had a really good time with it, so I gave it three and three quarters. Yeah, I gave this a four because I got freaked out a little bit at how used I'm seeing with Shingo and Takahashi now. It's like the NXT talent, you know? That's <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> right. You're familiar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like when you see him showing up another program. Yeah. It really is, like I said, it's an odd feeling to know that I'm actually starting to know the kind of New Japan talent and. <laughs> Again, I can say this because Jackson and Gene aren't going to have a go at me right now, but that's what makes this show more exciting. It's not AEW at the moment; it's the New Japan talent. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that. I I'm agree. Gonna, watching and watching the way they mingle too with these uh, with the AEW guys, like I agree 100. percent I think that's my favorite part of it is because as much as I love WWE, that's the one thing that you never really get you never really get the intermingling of other promotions or hell they don't even really do the intermingling of the brands as well as they used to or have done at times so uh it's really really cool when you get a chance to see like you said guys that you know versus other guys that you may know but you never really imagined them uh going against each other just like our first match of the actual forbidden door card because i never would imagine that would be a match i ever see and here we are well, exactly. Without shadow of doubt, so predictions. We all went United Empire. So thanks to Monty Rule on three. It is Monty's fault. You see how much I'm blaming him. The first twenty minutes yeah. of this, uh, I take it. <laughs> the main show, Taz <laughs> took Chris's place. At least I got you all wrong. No, to be fair, <laughs> yeah, you 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 led us down that garden path, my friend. <laughs> I I actually tend to be like Lij, and I was like, oh no, fuck that. No, 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 no. <laughs> Monty one of them. So like you said, though, first time ever match. MJF versus Hiroshi Tanahashi for the AEW World Championship. MJF had a robe that said New Japan is an indie. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Monty? Because I know <laughs> it's a joke and a rib, but again, that yeah. must really stick the knife into some. I think some people who probably take this too seriously, or maybe the people who are not really fans of AEW, but they really like New Japan, maybe they, they can... Uh, they take it a little bit more personal. But honestly, I I came into this match knowing that he's going to be the ultimate scumbag. And that's just what I expect from him. And it's very, very funny, uh, you know, again, and he's going to do things in this match that even Kelly Kelly highlighted, that as much as he talked like that, he still would borrow or do certain things that was, that, that was famous in, in New Japan. So he, he's very, very smart. He knows exactly how to rile people up and piss people off. He knows that there's people out there who really think he's a cool heel and like to cheer for him. So he do whatever he can, try to piss off whoever he can. And I have no problem with it. I, I chuckled at it because I just, that's what I expect from MJF. He calls himself the devil. Why are you expecting anything less? Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I have no problem with it, honestly. But, yeah, I could definitely, you're right. There was definitely some people who from New Japan die hard, maybe some people on the internet who absolutely hate how much he put down New Japan. But, honestly, I, I wasn't really that uh, affected by it. Yeah. I mean, we all know, you know New Japan is bigger than AEW. And again, that will probably start a few more arguments. So I'll move right. on quickly. MJF went to Tony <laughs> Khan 
and requested <laughs> that his match against Tanahashi go on first so he could get Toronto, uh, get out of Toronto as fast as possible. Uh, he, he taunted Tanahashi for mocking his walk before they locked up. And do you know what? If, like MJF, my thing is, is that just give a little something to your opponent because again, yeah. if you like, you're not That's my fair. level. Who have you beaten, or you know, why is this match actually mattering? Like I said, Tanahashi did very well to let MJF kind of mock his way that he, you know, played the guitar and even kind of walked. Uh, got the coward chant going. I felt this was uh, a very mm-hmm. kind of American style match, if you know what I mean. Definitely. MGM kind of cheap tactics, kept the sort of slow pace, tried to get the crowd uh, involved, and generated quite a. Uh, this is Rich Flair spots. Oh my God. <laughs> like, that, and, and again, it's another thing I like about him because it's like even the Chris Candido spots, and, you know, the, it's obviously MGM yeah. does like professional wrestling. And yeah, this this yes. did feel like Ric Flair versus local territory star. You know, no offense to mm-hmm. Tanahashi, but this is kind of what it is, you know. Um, and I, I thought Excalibur did a good job on commentary, kind of explaining how big Tanahashi actually is. You know, uh, we see him hit the dragon screw leg whip, locking in the clover leaf, but MJF got to the bottom rope, and then of course all the shenanigans with the champ using a dynamite diamond ring to a chip shot. And to get the pin. Um, I mean, Tanahashi maybe struggled on the top rope like he did with Collision. But I think all in all, this was as good as we could get, really. Yeah, and I think they did a good job of explaining the difference. Like, even if it probably was in reality, maybe just a little bit of old age or anything. I just love them trying to explain it away and talk about, well, you know, they have the different corner pads and all of that type of stuff. And that's why Tanahashi has to get his footing right and or, or adjust to it. And they did that a couple of times throughout the night. Just Even, I think, at some point, I think when Sonata and Jack wrestled, uh, they talked about the different counting cadences for uh, red shoes. And, like, you have to get used to how he counts the three by comparison to an AEW official. And uh, that's a nice little touch to just point out that, you know, again, this is uh, unfamiliar territory and all of that. And like you said, they did a really good job of explaining it away. I think the drawback here, and anybody who has a drawback about it, is that that is kind of like the problem that we have uh, when it comes to Forbidden Door sometimes, especially when it, in this case when it comes to Tanahashi. Uh, the fact that Excalibur has to explain the way. If you're a newcomer and you looked at Max's robe and you looked at how Max may have treated Tanahashi at times during out, throughout this, you may you may look at uh, a, a New Japan as a lesser, uh, you know, Thing, but like you like you mentioned, I think anyone who knows, and if, even if they want to argue with it or be, you know, go, you know, to their tribal or to the, you know, the, the AEW fans, it's probably going to bring them all out. At the end of the day, New Japan has been here since 1972. They have the history on their side. They have so much. Uh, they've done so much for professional wrestling, not just in Japan, but in across the world. They've influenced so many people. And new and Tanahashi is definitely one of those guys, you know. And I think. I love, that's why I love Kevin Kelly being here. He's another. He also explained the way that when Tana was young, he would have run through a guy like MJF. He would just not only power him, but use his athleticism, use his explosiveness to overcome MJF. But again, what happens as you get older? Explosiveness, a lot of that type of stuff. The, uh, even his definition is nowhere near what it used to be when it comes to uh, who Tana how she is. But I, like you said. They had the crowd in the palm of their hands. I, I think you mentioned, you said American style. It reminded me of like classic like Memphis type of booking. A lot of theatrics. Like you said, a lot of crowd play. 
a lot of uh, MJF just being a complete scumbag, you know, using Antonio Anoki's finisher, even though it's like just a regular dominant stretch, maybe to some, that is, you know, Antonio Anoki's finisher move and something and using the rope to cheat is something that they would never do in Japan, but something they would definitely do if you're talking about like American or like classic American wrestling. So again, I just love that. Uh, that element that he brought to it, attacking, uh, you know, even if he was mocking Tanahashi's knees, uh, you know, again, sometimes Max, I don't know why he does this, but even though when he sells his knee, he does a lot of damage to the knee himself. <laughs> but, you know, again, Tanahashi, just so he can set up a dragon, screw it, it all played perfectly into, like, the bag of what I've come to know about Tanahashi. Like I said, you give Tanahashi some time, you give some fans who actually know who Tanahashi is, and you give him a scumbag like MJF, they will do exactly uh, what you would expect, and that is tell a really good story of a guy trying to fight back against a, just a total scumbag. And uh, but again, it was really really classic MJF with the finish. You know, Tana and Tana literally had him pinned. He had like a six or a seven or eight count. I think so. You can't tell me he don't look good in defeat when he had the world champion pin easily, even if it was, you know, just to set up the finish, which was like classic Memphis, classic MJF, old school type of dirty heel, or like a whole uh, old school heel defeat. So I, I had no problem with it. You know, I actually uh, thought that this was uh, really, really solid. I gave, I ended up giving it four stars, you know, so it was really good. Yeah, I gave that four as well. Predictions for you all went MJF, so all on four. We got a match in the men's Owen Hart Cup tournament when CM Punk battles sorry Kojima in the second match on the main card. Punk was getting more boos and cheers during his entrance, and he didn't seem bothered by it at all. Uh, they started with some simple chain wrestling. A small CM Punk chant was immediately drowned out by boos as he took control. They ended up fighting at ringside where Kojima sent Punk over the barricade into the time group's area with a stiff chop. Punk tried to trace strikes. His opponent would make him regret it, though. After both men failed to get a pin with an elbow drop from top, Punk applied the Anaconda Vice. Kojima escaped. Managed to count the GTS twice. The second City Savior finally hit it for the win. Uh, and I tell you something about this matchup. Kojima and Punk both went into that time machine back because this felt like the old CM Punk. I mean, I can't say a lot about Kojima, but he looked like he was enjoying himself as well. No, 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 exactly. And that, and this is, as someone who watched both of them a lot, not only over the years, but grew up watching Kojima, the same thing with Punk, at, now that I make, now that I think about it, I guess I grew up watching him too. I guess you, you, sometimes you get so wrapped up in how, how time has flew flew by, you forget that. But yeah, I, uh, this was, they both, like you said, the time machine, they both went literally into what they do best. They hit all the greatest hits and some other hits that you wouldn't expect. Like, you know what? I didn't think I was going to get a Hogan leg drop out of this, <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, and Punk being an a-hole and doing Mongolian chops like uh, like Koji's tag team partner, Tenzan in Japan, you know, and, well, partner and rival. They had great uh, G1 climax and world title clashes in the past. But uh, Koji, again, like you said, pulled out everything. The Koji, uh, the, you know, pretty much the only thing he didn't pull out maybe was the Koji clutch. But he got the, uh, you know, he got the Koji cutter. He got his chops in, machine gun chop. Like you said, the fans were in it. He did not get a chance to hit that Larry. But, you know, if he would have did that, it would have went in his favor because that's usually how it goes. Passed down from Stan Hansen like Kevin Kelly missed. I just love that little bit of history to just let everyone know just how, uh, you know, important and how great and how long Kojima has been great. And like you said, you can tell Punk 
uh, knew that too. And even though the fans were, they were so ready to boo. They booed him before his music even hit, James. Uh, you know, it's kind of it's crazy. Uh, but when you take out the context of all the messiness and you just look at what this match was for what it was, this was really really impressive, especially for Punk's first one on one contest since returning. You know, I, I, as someone who grew up watching both of them. I really marked out at uh, at the peck popping and the tops because that's literally what Kojima is known for. And even Punk doing his own version of those same things and some of his callbacks to, the, to interviews. And like you said, his greatest hit, both of them did an elbow drop. Like you can just see the influences and how coach not only has how Kojima has influenced Punk's offense, but just it kind of, like you said, dredged up those emotions of watching Punk over the years, I really thought they both looked good. And oh, Kojima, for someone on, in his 50s, can you tell? Can you tell? Like, really? Can you really tell? That's one thing I love about watching Koji. At this stage of his career, he's in his 50s. He's slowing down. You would think you would see him, you know, uh, have a tougher time than he does. But he is still kicking at a very, very high level, much higher level than he has any right to still be going at. I really love this match, man. I gave it four and a quarter, man. I, I really was into it. Yeah, really, really good stuff. Like I said, 31-year-old veteran Kojima, he was beating Punk up like he was a member of the elite. You know, that's when... <laughs> yes. Punk, again, was in his element. A lot of wrestlers wouldn't know what to do with a crowd. Punk just embraced the hate. And it just jogged my memory. Last night before Money in the Bank as well, there was in the crowd the CM Punk chant, which was met by... <laughs> Never <laughs> fail. Oh, my God. That guy should have left. Like, that was not a good idea. <laughs> it's like a group, like I said, at one section decided to do it, and the rest were just like, no, we are on shutdown. You know, um, we don't normally turn on each other, but fuck me. Uh, as for, like I said, the match was great. You know, I gave it a four and a quarter as well. Predictions, we all went for punk, as uh, so all on five. Uh, I'm annoyed that All Out is a week after All In. You know, the, the thing is, we talk about Money in the Bank. Yeah. How special would it be if next week we had another show? And I know WWE have done that. Most famously, we paid back a week after SummerSlam. But how, you know what I mean? It's a massive stage, but you're going to have another event a week later. So surely you're not going to have the results you know, the right. story's not going to finish. Right, and and the story, right? Something is either going to, like you said, going to get turned to where we do it again. Uh, we get like some rematch, or some other stories will not get the, the the time that they need to actually be a story. And you might just get some matches thrown together. It's, you never really know. So yeah, I, I'm not really into it either. I'm also not really into the fact that they. I mean, I get it because they, I think they sell it out every time they go there. But man, they love Chicago. Like, oh, my goodness. Like, every, is it always just, it's just Chicago? And like, Vegas, I, you know they're going to hit Vegas, but I guess, you know, you never know. I mean, like, they are going – if it's, it's one thing that's guaranteed three to four times a year. If you live in Chicago, you can definitely see an AEW show. Yeah, yeah. And this is the thing I kind of, again, not to make, you know, about WWE and AEW, but it's just the, the difference in places <clears throat> where WWE – and hopefully this is the start of AEW. Once they realise how all in, you know, works well, they can go other places. I mean, yeah. I, was, I was speaking to people. other places. Yeah. Or even uh, there was a guy from Belgium uh, who I was speaking to, you know, and he was saying the closest event that they have is Paris, which is like the next country over, but they have kind of nothing else right. there. So even if they would have Oof. a big event in England, it would have all the European fans. So there's still, you know, and again, right. I know Australia and, you know, and India is mm-hmm. an untapped market. So, 
you know if it's like if we are international uh we should be looking at different markets and speaking of international the AEW international championship was next orange cassidy daniel garcia katsura shibata and zach saber jr man oh man did i enjoy this uh all four men sized each other up and had a standoff in the middle of the ring oc hit all three men with the laziest kicks ever before all three opportunities, uh, our opponents caught his leg and tossed it back and forth like they were playing catch. Shibata and Sabre kept shoving Garcia away so they could trade shots. Garcia started dancing and they both took him down at the same time. Whenever they had a chance, Shibata and Sabre just tried to go for each other. Garcia tried and failed to win the match by hitting Shibata with their title at one point, but Cassidy was able to steal the win by summoning Shibata out the ring after he hit Garcia with his finisher and making the cover for the win. The three champions then all argue about whose title was the most important after the match was over. It was, of course, Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, but this match, man, so much action, <laughs> so much fun, you know. The four-way boot was brilliant. This was great. Yeah, I, I think I think uh, fun is, like, something that's almost overused in, like, wrestling sometimes. Like, I think some just to describe a match, you know, yeah, if you had a good time, you you know, you I understand that that's the first word that come up. But this literally, in my opinion, was the definition of a fun match. Like, this is really, really entertaining for so many different reasons. Like you said, the four-way antics, the boots, the, all the – all the – just the intermingling of all four guys when they did those spots were all fun, all great. The crowd really started to get into it. You could tell they were having fun. And, you know, again, uh, Shibata and Zach, man, they had moments to me that really stole the show. And it's not just me being a New Japan mark. Like, you can just tell even when the crowd, like, sometimes Zach, I think at one point, Zach, I think it was Orange Cassidy, who arm, he just started to wrench or whatever he did on the apron. And the crowd was just like, oh, you can just hear, you can hear the crowd go crazy. And the same thing with Shibata for, for his spots, uh, you know. And But, again, I didn't think Cassidy – some people I saw some people online saying they think Cassidy uh couldn't couldn't really hang with them, but I, I was like, no, I think Cassidy fit really good. I think he shined. Same thing with Garcia. Garcia looked really, really good here at times. Even with this awkward dance, I really popped for that spot dance, entertaining through the physical pain, even if it is a little silly. I chuckled at it. Uh but again, I think sometimes, uh, and again, maybe this is just me being a, being who I am, but man. I really miss seeing Shibata regularly, not just in Japan, but just regularly in general. I know he may be doing more in our Ring of Honor. He's another one of those guys that's probably, just like I mentioned with Athena earlier, that we're not seeing as much that I could be seeing because he's in Ring of Honor. Uh, and, you know, I would, man, I can't wait till he returns to Japan. Maybe, maybe one day that can be possible. Or maybe he's not doing that for a very smart reason, not trying to have these high-impact physical matches as often as he used to. And in America, he can pick his spots uh, better. But, yeah, man, like you said, Zach, great as he always is. And I think the only thing that took away from this very cool four-way to me was the fact that I only – I wish that I could get Zach one-on-one with all these guys. Just like four different one-on-one or three different one-on-one matches, you know what I mean, Uh, you know, with every one of them for his TV title. You know, I would love that one day. But because, you know, Zach is just so good – and um, again, I think he had great moments with everyone. Uh, but all these guys really did good. I gave this four and a quarter. Also, like you said, the definition of a fun match. Yeah, no, I gave this um, four and a half. Like I said, really, really fun. And people do orange Cassidy, you know, the the gimmick. And a lot of I've heard a lot of wrestlers say this as well, kind of confuse them. But he can, yeah, he's a proper he worker. Go. You know, it's just because mm-hmm. he's the, you know, 
know, kick pads or, you know, like I said, with different things. The thing that makes him special is that he's got that character as well. Uh, right. And like I said, Zack Sabre Jr., Orange Bollocks and all the kind of stuff that he does. Uh, <laughs> I can watch him all day long. Prediction-wise, yeah. Jackson Jr. went for Garcia, but he was there to eat the pin. Uh, me and Monty went for Orange Cassidy. So we were, John T's on six, the girls were on five. The IWGP heavyweight title was on the line when Sonata defended his title against Jungle Boy. Hook was at ringside to support his tag team partner. Perry was able to lock in a snare trap early in the match, but Sonata immediately made it to the ropes because he was still fresh and uninjured. What do you think about Taz on commentary during this matchup as well? Because, you know, there was a lot of talk Sonata didn't know who Jack Perry was. Jack Perry saying, well, he didn't mm-hmm. know who Sonata was, and Excalibur saying to Taz, like, but he did use his finisher. So surely, surely someone's going to tell him about that. I think like... I, I think I kind of realized because by this point he had also, uh, before, uh, yeah, because they had they were having such a good run. I think they were up like he in his mind he was saying AEW's up, AEW's up. So I think he was trying to play the role of right. like just the AEW guy. So I think that's why. But yeah, it was definitely kind of uh, weird at, like how hard he seemed to be uh, going against. What Sonata has said, or like why, like you see, asking why Sonata's so hot and all this type of stuff at Jack about accepting the open challenge. And I'm just like, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, calm down, Taz. I think he was just being dismissive, you know, uh, uh, the same way. And I think it was, again, very, very funny though, because Jack never seen Sonata match, right? <laughs> Took three moves of Sonata at least in this, in this, not, not only did he do one to Doki, but he did Scully in and this one and did try to do the Paradise Lock. So, yeah, man, uh, I think it was a little gamesmanship and all of that. But I can make the case that Sonata really don't know who Jack is. No, yeah, no, I would disagree <laughs> there. You know, agree there. Uh, but the longer the match went on, the more physical it became. Both men ended up in a yeah. particularly tough exchange and started throwing chops, fully stood up. Like you said, Jungle Boy used Sonata's own signature hold against him. So they were able to get the win. This led to both men trying to outdo each other with various moves. And the match ended when Sonata hit a moonsault for the pin. It seemed like the crowd was a little surprised that this was a finish. It almost <laughs> might not have been the planned ending. I, I mean, what were your thoughts? Was it? I was expecting like the DDT at least. It, it was definitely abrupt. I think. I think that's what it was. I think anyone who's been watching New Japan or watching this version of Sonata, expecting him to win with Deadfall, like you said, the DDT. But I think that's that's what I liked the most. While, while everyone else was shocked. I was laughing because I was like, oh, Sonata really don't take Jack seriously at all. <laughs> he beat him with the old finisher. And then he didn't kick out of the moonsault. So Jack looks like a jobber. In, in this. So, again, I love it. Like, not really a jobber, but he really – like, Sonata really looks strong here. Like like you said, the way he – and also, Taz was really mad that Sonata kept pinning him the way he did, like, without putting any effort into the pin. But, like, I really don't think Sonata was threatened. He's like, man, I beat Okada. Do you really think I'm worried about Jack? <laughs> But I love Kevin Kelly pointing out experience. I think that really played a factor, too. Well, like you said, the way Sonata carried himself looked like a true champion. I did feel a bit sorry for Excalibur during the commentary sometimes because he was trying to set up Kevin Kelly. And he'll ask him, like, is big or Sonata? Do you think this would affect Sonata during this matchup? Kevin Kelly's just like, nope. And then just move on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, nope, nope. Sonata will be fine. (laughs) Help a brother out. You know, like, Like, he's he's trying to. He's trying to, but uh, like you said, this was fun. Great to see Red Shoes, of course, and like you said, um, mm-hmm. we got a big chance. And of course, Sonata tying Perry up in a package and leaving him there. I mean, it's great, <laughs> you know. What can we say? 
Yeah, yeah, the paradise lock. It was just, it was an awesome moment. He let he let the crowd get into it, and I think that's what I love the most about this is that sometimes you wonder. Like, I think that's what I, I think as a New Japan fan, like, all right, these guys great in Japan. The people love you. They go, they know the spots. But like, how does how well does this do in Canada or like in another environment? And will the people react to you? And just to see all the people's re, uh, rise and react like, no, nah, this guy is really good. Or like we do did the leap, the double leapfrog that Sonata does so well. You can hear the, the oohs and the ahs. Like that's what Sonata does. He's a guy that you don't need. He doesn't really talk much. He doesn't have to do any of that. You put him in the ring with someone and he will make you go wild. So I did love him, you know, kind of dominating that towards the end. Like no need for deadfall. And again, you know, I thought, I thought everything, I thought this was really good. Cause even though Jack didn't win, he didn't look back. Now I was, I would say this. Like, did did the fans know something that we didn't know, or did I didn't know? Because they hated Jack from the from the beginning. <laughs> like, I know they didn't like him the night before, but like, like man, they really just was like, nope, we're we're cheering Sonata. We don't care about you, Jack. Like everything Jack did, for the most part, <laughs> got hated on. So that kind of, I had to get used to that. I was kind of surprised there. Uh, but uh, yeah, man, this is all good, man. I, I didn't have a problem with it, but like you said, it was very abrupt, especially for a title match. Because even with Tanahashi and MJF, the finish was dramatic and all of that, but it was kind of what you would expect from a title match. This was finished like it was non-title. <laughs> I think without a shadow of a doubt, I'm gonna give it a four and a quarter out of five. What would you score it? Yeah, I, I stayed at four star, yeah. but yeah, it was still good. Uh, and again, like you said at afterwards when we got to the stage because we're wondering why we're just following Jack Perry walking up the stage. Yeah, what's taking so long? Yeah, he <laughs> hit Hook with a clothesline. Oh. Now, I know clotheslines <laughs> have come from hell in the past, right? but whatever this power of the clothesline that took <laughs> Hook down, like, f- I mean, I know Hook's been undefeated, but fuck me, man. How long was he Ooh. down for? Like... Man, he sold it too. He was oh like, "Oh my, my goodness, like, yeah, he sold that well." And then, like you said, that the funny thing about that clothesline is that the first thing I thought about was like Hangman's chops that went a little high because it looked like it was in the neck, in like the the neck area, the way he did it. Like it, man, the impact, like the way he just, oh man, he dropped him. If you're gonna do it, that's one way to do it, man. You know, just lay him the hell out. And I immediately thought Christian was right. Yeah, well, no, this thing is, Jack Perry should have Christian as his as, as his talk. Yes, he needs like, to go find him. Just go back yes. to him and say, yeah, imagine that reaction, go, Christian, you were right. These guys are assholes, right. and let's have the three of them do, you know, like a yeah. proper hill run with Christian as the mouthpiece. It, um, I would love it. And Taz had to leave commentary to check on Hook as well. <laughs> I bet uh, he did. Yeah. And Tony <laughs> fucking saw the chance, didn't he? Like, didn't even leave it. <laughs> Ten seconds. Oh, I've just, I've taken Taz's place. Oh, is he not coming back? Like, you know, <laughs> fucking hell. Uh, predictions, we all went Sonata. So Team Jonty is on seven, Girls on six. And then we had Team Elite versus Team BCC with Kingston and Ishii teaming up with Paige and the Young Bucks take on the Blackpool Combat Club. Takeshita and Shooter Umino in a huge 10-man tag. Suspected Don Callis was by Takeshita's side. I am a huge Umino fan. I am going to hitch my um, whatever I can on him because he has just got everything that like, you know, shades of different wrestlers and that kind of attitude. He's just going to improve and improve and improve. 
anyway, as the match, Claudio and Eddie were going to start, but when Umino tagged in, Eddie was like, fuck this. Uh, because he only cares about Claudio for the first <laughs> several minutes. This was mostly a respectful match. We saw some double team moves, but mostly one on one. Kingston and Moxley ended up in a ring together, and everything came to a standstill. See, AEW have a chance. You know, they can create special moments, but like it feels mm-hmm. like they've dropped the ball with the connection Indy has with the fans for the past you know year or so. And you can tell well it, they knew the relationship between Mox. And Eddie, as they traded blows, you know, uh, all 10 men then got the ring. And I don't know why it, that sends wrestling fans crazy. You know, like, I, I what it is. Yeah. Every, like, it doesn't matter <laughs> if you have, like, more than, it's almost like we can't understand it. You know, like, you've got a tag team match, but anything more than, like, four people, we're just like, oh, my God, what's going on? Uh, there was chaos. I've seen them do it with four people. Though. <laughs> like I've seen them doing it just regular tag matches. Everyone get in the ring. Now it's time to go crazy. It's like, okay, all right, all right. What, what is wrong with people? Uh, this match had so much going on that you really kind of need to see it for yourself. Yeah. Um, every single wrestler had at least one or two moments that stood out, which is not always easy. And then we had a great final sequence. Ishii scored a win for his team by pinning Utah with the Brain Buster. Kingston ended up arguing with the elite. But, I mean, there was a moment that Takesh had knocked out Ishii just straight on the apron. Just like... <laughs> oh, it was perfect. It was perfect. I pain. love the Bucks running the check on him, too. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, he's out. <laughs> I love I mean, what a match this was. You know, Paige near knocking out Takesh with a forearm. I mean, I might argue about the result, but you can't argue with the effort. No, 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 no. Like that that's the thing, you know, if you're gonna do something like that, you know, the match sometimes have to be, you know, have to trump what you think would have been best uh, you know, for like you know, not just storytelling, but for some of the people involved. But yeah, for that night and just like what the match ended up becoming, this was really, really great. You know, it was awesome. Uh perfect multi man match. It was full of moments that just kinda like if you just sit back and watch and as a, a guy like me who's a fan of pretty much everyone in here. Uh, you know, uh, this was just uh, a really, really good t- time. And, like everyone got a chance to showcase their skills. And you know, again, uh, Ishi, like you said, Kingston and Moxley. When any time they had an interaction, now the people went crazy. The energy was uh, went crazy. But also, anytime Claudio would do something sleek to Kingston, you just you felt that heat too. So it's, again, it's like 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 you said. I, I hope they realize. I hope after the G one because I know Eddie's about to go. To Japan, he's gonna put on a show in Japan. I can't wait to see his performances in the G1 and uh, just in Japan in general because I know how much he just loves Japanese pro wrestling. Uh, but uh, like you said, you really hope that they realize what they have in a guy like Eddie Kingston because that that connection, like you said, with the fans is something that for some it just doesn't matter. Whenever people see Eddie, everyone lights up. They're just happy because he's just found that right formula and AEW really still, like you said, have yet to just cash in on that formula the way they probably should. But I, I just really love everything. Everything about this match is really, really good. You know, this was, this is really a really balanced match. Like you said, even Shota picked his spot. Takeshita was just perfect. Anytime Takeshita and Ishii touched, like you mentioned, not only the knockout, but they had a little striking before that. You'd just be like, man, like, damn, I want Takeshita. Now I want Takeshita. Uh, to fight Ishii more often or just get a chance. Like, again, since Takeshi is a guy who didn't go into the New Japan system, he was in DDT, 
And, you know, he's doing all types of other stuff. Uh, it's a lot of collisions where I'm like, man, I'd love to see Takeshita just in there with a lot of these New Japan guys. Uh, but, again, uh, this is really, really good. And, honestly, I don't really know what I was thinking. But up at in, at this point when the match happened, this is really like the match of the night for me, honestly, uh, when it happened. Uh, but, yeah, four, uh, I gave it four and a half. I really was into this. Uh, really, really good, really, really fun, even if I would have liked the uh, – the Blackpool Combat Club to go over. Yeah, no, I, I gave, um, like I said, four and a half. And even see, like, Shooter and Takeshita teaming up, and it's kind of say, like, they've never yeah. been in a room together. But they kind of know how each other works anyway. So it's really, really good stuff. Uh, predictions. Well, John T went Blackpool Combat Club. Jackson Gina went the Elite. So they draw level all on seven as the AW Women's World title on the line. Willow Nightingale versus Tony Storm. Storm rolled out of the ring after the first exchange, find a footing after a little error, but once they reset and engaged, started to work. The rest of the outcasts attacked Nightingale while the ref was distracted. I am really getting tired of this shtick already, you know, because the thing is, it's not my issue with that, uh, especially with the interference, is that there's only kind of one women's match, you know? Like, So if there right. was more, we'd have more to experience. On a 14-match card, by yeah. the way. 14 match card. You know you're gonna some. You know something's gonna get killed for time, and unfortunately, because we know how AW likes to do things, this was one of those matches that was on the list that was probably not gonna get as much time as the others. Uh, so yeah, man, you really hate that. And I think another thing too, guys like me and you, and I think other fans too who really know what Tony Storm can do, and even Willow at this point, they can go like they really can go. And I think that's the problem that you kind of run into. And I know they're trying to – I don't think they really need to continue to establish it, but, like, yeah, I know that that's what the outcasts are. They're bad, you know, they're, they're, they're heels. They're, they're just doing whatever they got to do uh, to win. I, I can understand that. I understand that that's her current role. But when you know what they're capable of and when you know uh, you have a chance on a night like this to do something really, really memorable, it's kind of sad that you kind of get that and you get that finish, if you know what I mean. You know, you just get – uh, abrupt, kind of deflated type of finish where it's just a poke, a rake, rake across the eye, power driver, match over out of nowhere. And it's just, uh, he's like, man, I think that could have been, it could have been so much more. But, you know, again, I do, I do think uh, the ladies in the time that they were given really uh, did pretty good, you know, from both sides. I think they did, they did still have their moments. But like you said, it's just a shame, honestly, uh, that this match, the pretty much the only women's spotlight of the Forbidden Door card is uh, relegated to that position and that finish. Yeah. Well, well like I said, we, we, Will and that girl made a comeback and hit a nice Death Valley drive on the apron. But uh, Solo, uh, Solo, it's got so through about last night, Soho <laughs> and Sarai were kicked out from ringside. But again, like you said, raking in the eyes and hitting the Storm Zero for the pin. Uh, but Willow is getting better every time I see her, which, like you yes. said, shows that there's talent there. Both of them gave what they had, but again, with time constraints, when you think they were going to have Adam Cole and Tom Laura on here as well, it's like, how do you fit that <laughs> Right, <in>? so, <laughs> so, so was the women's match going to originally be five, seven minutes? Like, like it really makes you wonder, like, like what the hell? So, yeah, man, this match, they, they lost a match on this card, and we still <laughs> ran into this. But I think we know, I think I kind of know why when the next match, it was yes. like 40 minutes. <laughs> My God, the last one was like a check in Wikipedia and go, it can't be 40 minutes. 
I can't have to watch that for 40 minutes. But right. I, I give this one the 3.95, though, because of effort for the winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I went three and three quarters, but yeah, I'm right in the same boat with you. They worked really hard, even if the finish didn't do them justice. Yeah, so up next, uh, so predictions all went below, so all on eight. And up next, the IWGP United States Championship. Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay. I mean, both men got great reactions during the entries, but Omega was clearly the fan favourite, not only the babyface champion, but also in his home country. Oh no, the show, the match on January full stole the show. And they were looking to do the same here because you could see the facial expressions and the posture. And it was it's seriously as it gets. Like, Monty, I know you've watched a lot of world-class kind of wrestling, but you know when you get that feeling that both men are going to try everything they've got. And that is when wrestling really works, when two guys are just looking to live a hell of a show, you know? Yeah, man. I thought no matter what the finish or who was going over, that they knew that they had not only a hell of a match in January to try to top, but like you said, the environment, everything about it. Like, again, this match and the last match was what this show was built around. You know, the only matches that even remotely had enough of a storyline to really be strong enough to get people to buy. So, uh, I, like you said, you can just tell with the energy in the arena and just the way they look, the interests. Uh, again, Will Ospreay going to like that aerial assassin song that he used that he used to use so much. It was just awesome. It was just awesome to see him in that element. And then, like you said, adapting. You know, Ospreay is a kind of he's a cocky asshole, but I wouldn't say he's a full fledged heel. Ever, like all the time. So to see him in this element kind of hostile, even though, like you said, he got a positive reaction, and to see Kenny kind of uh, immediately adapt the Super Canadian role, like it was just all set up perfectly for them to go out there and top what they did in January. And I couldn't wait to see it. Right, about, you know, they seemed like they were pacing themselves at first for about a minute, but then they started to hit each other up with some biggest <laughs> moves. Uh, Callis tried to grab Omega's leg, the ref booted him from ringside. That allowed everyone to focus solely on the match for the ring to that point. Um, the thing is, though, with Callis and Will, the only connection is that Don doesn't like Kenny. Because I don't want people to think that Don's a manager like United Empire now, you know? Right. And it's, it's kind of weird. Like, imagine if you didn't watch anything over the last few months. You just watched their match in January. And you're seeing Callis in Kenny's corner, you know, when he beat, when he embarrassed Osprey in Japan. And now you see... Callis all of a sudden just here helping Osprey, other than like for the only reason, just for like a beef, you know. So again, yeah, I I, I did like that they did eventually, even though I know what's gonna happen. And they did. I'm glad they did kick him out so we can get to what we really cared about because that's the one thing about it is like I didn't like the interweaving of the AEW stuff. I wish they could have just kept that separate, allow him to focus on one thing at a time. But AEW is such a clusterfuck, you know how that is. So I, I'm not really surprised. <laughs> that they did that because they want you to focus on 30 things at a time. That's the only thing I didn't like. But as soon as he went away, the match then turned into one thing, them trying to hurt each other. The cleaner was busted open when Osprey slammed his head, the announce table several times. I mean... Revenge! I know it's it's exactly revenge (laughs) for Wrestle Kingdom with the table, which I think was more brutal because at least with the American style... Kind of, it's not yeah. like a proper wooden table, you know. Right. You know, Will was trying as hard as he fucking could. Like, oh, yes. 
Yes, he wanted him to feel it because, again, like you said, the Japanese tables have no give, nothing to help you out with. At least over here, you know, uh, in AW, you got the plastic, you got all the stuff, but it didn't. It didn't stop Will. I think Will thought Will realized that that it was like, ah, this table ain't like the table I went through, so I'm just gonna bang your head as hard as I possibly can. <laughs> Like. Uh, <laughs> to make we, up for it we get Will licking the blood of Kenny uh, and then something that really took me back man was Will Osprey doing the Shawn Michaels to the Canadian flag I mean <laughs> I have not seen that in a, I mean he did everything up the nose you know wiping I'm surprised he didn't put it on the mat and start to like you know hump it uh, <laughs> of course with everything that was going on <laughs> Omegalo did get uh, his revenge when he busted Osprey open um, on the steel stairs, which was pretty sickening. Though, and Will was a great juice job, I will say. Um, I thought at that point, shit, how is he going to last that amount of time? But they did. We show we show Sions of wear and tear. Each time they went down, it took a little longer to get to the feet. Don Callis made another appearance and hid behind his security guard. Uh, the Isles Omega drilled Osprey with a stiff knee. Look, can we stop having people kicked out just to come back? It doesn't make any sense. Like, please stop this now. Just, I I'm, I'm really am tired of it. Um, we see Callis, after a while, passing an Osprey screwdriver while keeping the ref busy. Uh, he uses to escape the one-winged angel and hit Stormbreaker. But Omega got the foot on the rope to break the pin in a great near fall. The crowd at this point was just building and building and building. Osprey used Omega's own V-trigger and Woman Angel against him. But the cleaner kicked out a wand for a massive pop from the crowd. The challenger then dumped him right on his head. I mean, did you think Kenny broke his neck on that Tiger driver? Because even uh, whoever's on Japanese <laughs> uh, commentary, I think it might be Despy, just mind. Like, oh, yeah, Despy lost. Yeah. Oh, man. And, and that, deserves, that deserves that type of reaction because of the history it has in Japanese wrestling. You know, I'm sure by now a lot of people have probably seen people on the internet telling everyone that, that was what, that's kind of like what happened in the Masawa match many, many years ago. One of the most famous Tiger uh, drivers like that where you just drop it right on your head. And, yeah, it's always – that's one of, it's the reason why you don't really see that pulled out much. You know, it's kind of like the burning hammer is one of those moves that – is not really safe to do if you don't know how to protect yourself. But uh, I, again, as someone who's a Japanese pro wrestling mark, uh, I figured out a while ago that you can protect yourself if you try to, uh, you know, if you land on your head properly to like the side of it instead of landing directly on it. And Kenny did protect himself the best you can do. But at the end of the day, you're still getting dropped on your head. Like, it's you know like, what I mean? Like, like yeah. I'm not trying to say it was soft or anything. I'm saying it's like saying, he didn't break his neck go, because when you go through a table. Head. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Foot, you know, if you land flat back, you know, it's still going to have that effect. Right. At that moment in time, the crowd were desperately behind Omega, but a Stormbreaker later, and your new IWGP US champion, Will Ospreay. Um, this didn't feel like a 40-minute match, and I thought, though, I feel sorry for the fuckers that have to follow it. I mean, what, what were your thoughts? <laughs> Yeah, it, it's pretty much that. It was like, honestly, it's like, and this is the one, think about what I'm saying here, though, but like, this this made me realize, like, yeah, I'm like, are you sure that O'Connor and Danielson should go <laughs> after that? Like, that, that's how good it was, that it made you, made me really doubt or question 
two of the greatest in the world, two of the greatest ever really going last because of just, like you said, the emotion, the energy, and just the, oh man, this was just, this was a perfect, this reminds me of almost every Wrestle Kingdom classic that I can think of, even not only just the Omega matches, but just like any great contest that I've gotten a chance to watch, those drawn out epic battles, but the difference was these guys, like you said, were at that breakneck, I'm trying to hurt you pace from the, like, pretty much, like you said, from pretty much after, like, the opening minute or two, they were just trying to kill each other, it seemed like. And, like, I don't, I know, you know, it's one of those things that I guess, like, like you know, some people say you sometimes you have to wait for, like, some of the greatest moments. You know, you just have to wait. When he when they were both in New Japan at the same time, Will Ospreay was a super junior, you know, for the most part. And then once he was becoming a heavyweight, Kenny was pretty much out of the door. So, you know, it was one of those times, one of those things that as a New Japan fan, I thought I got robbed of when Kenny went to AEW. And then again, to get this, not only did we get it at Wrestle Kingdom, but to get a version of it in AEW and to get them to actually either, I don't know if you want to say, honestly, the first match was pretty much still up there, like probably match of the year. So for this match to come in and to either, you know, build off that perfectly or trumpet to some people like I don't know I honestly it made me want to it made me go back to the Wrestle Kingdom match and I still don't really know which one is better honestly like the energy is different because you know one is in Japan and one is in AEW and one is in Toronto or whatever but uh still the you can't tell me that that first match wasn't damn near perfect and this match was right there with it with a little bit more of an added element of just kind of like heat and anger like you can just tell Osprey every time he would do something, was trying to absolutely take Omega's head off. But Omega, like, that DDT on the steps, the thud, the sound that it made was perfect. Like, again, it's just, it just, it, it really was a wonderful match. It was legendary stuff. And it's just, like, one of those times where it made me wonder, will we get a third one again? Because Omega has, like, a great trilogy with Okada that I, that I love. And Osprey has done... Uh, you know, great. Uh, tr- well, shoot, it's not even a trilogy with Shingo. It's like a uh, whatever the word for five <laughs> awesome matches. Quint- quintet, I know these guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a quintet. Yeah, so like, like these guys, they're really good at these series. So it made me wonder, will they ever do it again? And if not, honestly, they don't really have to. Like, it was just perfection in in the, and I can only put it in that way. It's just like I can't even really describe it. Like, I want to go watch it again now that we're talking about. It. <laughs> the, the, the thing is, and again, to to put it into the parlance, maybe WWE fans would understand. Yeah, you know, maybe not the kind of Shawn Michaels Undertaker type, but what you know, right. you're hearing from from guys who kind of ruled a generation as they did, you know, and like we, we know the physical wear and tear on Kenny and Will, so to be able to put yeah. the performance that they have this year, because that you know we don't know what's going to happen in a couple of years time not saying it's going to be like a retirement right. match true true but to kind of ha- and have those two matches back to back which were different but still kind of the same it does like i said if you get a third one then it cements both their legacies because again it's it's sad to say but it's not like a passing of the torch from kenny to will Mm-mm. because will no is is at that <laughs> level it's, it's it's lucky it's a bit like a, even a card and danielson where we're getting this match now because I mean, not a carder, but for me, for Danielson, it's a bit like yeah. Edge, where how many miles we'll discuss this as well. In a right? Moment, how much miles are left on the clock? So, um, you know, mm-hmm. but like, so, and it made me think that made me think about Omega and Danielson too. It's like now all they all they may have is that draw. 
So will they fight again? It's like wow, it's because again, they both of them, both of their time, like you said, can't, they can't do it at yeah. this pace or at this style forever. It's like how can you keep this up forever? And we talked about Osprey's body breaking down. So again, you just want them to get all their moments in as much as possible. But like you said, this is definitely part of it. And I agree, trilogy would really cement this as one of the greatest rivalries of all time. Yeah, and if that happens at Wembley, then my voice is going to be Ooh. even worse than <laughs> today. Hell yeah. Uh, but, we you know, like I said, we're getting through this, actually, and I'm not doing too bad. But uh, out of five, it's a five. This is obvious five. You know? Yeah, it's an obvious five. Obvious. Yeah, um, no. No, five, easily. Easily. Uh, all predictions, we all went wheels all on nine. And then I've never felt more sorry for than I did with Sting, Darby Allen, and Tetsuya Naito versus Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Minoru Suzuki. But I tell you something, though, three entrance theme bangers. If if they were in the UK, man, like, the, the, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, Naito is fucking just a banger anyway, obviously with Jericho. And then, you know, Kazi Nina Ray is one of my favorite. Even I'm singing at home. You know, that's kind of what it's about. <laughs> uh, just just really, really good stuff, you know. Um, and, and this is the thing. We don't get enough of that, you know. We just, we just have a sing-song every now and again. <laughs> just like, right. Get involved. Yeah. No, and, and that's a part of wrestling. Like, I've heard some people have a discourse about, you know, uh, you know, like kind of like what happens with Judas and all of that type of stuff and just like the, the crowd interaction with music. But that has always been like you said, uh, uh, since they've really introduced interest music and, and wrestling, that's always been a part of it. So it's always great to have that element to kind of keep everybody, everyone going. Because like you said, after that match, too, it's like, yeah, let's sing a song now. Yeah, to kinda, exactly. <laughs> after all that violence. In mouth. Like, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> let's relax. Yeah. Um, but as for the match itself, Naito and Guevara started for their teams. They took the time getting into it. Spanish God dodged Naito a couple of times to mess with him. So Naito kicked him in the gut. Both men posed to talk to each other before they started taking the match seriously. Naito's another guy. What Now that I've got him, I find him fucking hilarious. Like, the amount of time <laughs> it takes to take... When I first saw him with his entrance gear, I was like, what the fuck? Why are you taking... So-? And now I just love it. I wish he was... He's doing like, it on purpose. Five minutes into the match still jack it off slow. Do you know what I mean? Like that kind of, the attitude right. that he's got, uh, now that I understand, is, is really, really fun. Um, one thing that's yeah. not that fun at the moment is watching Sting wrestle, you know, because it's gone yeah. past that point now, isn't it? We all know, I'm not going to talk about what happened on Dynamite, but uh, it's like he's still got a chin. Yeah, uh, oh my goodness. With this one. <laughs> Uh, the thing I like finding found funny, Jericho bagged Suzuki to tag him in. And Suzuki's just like, no, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not tagging <laughs> you in. I want to fight until Jericho finally got the tag. I don't know. And even Suzuki posing with like Sammy and Jericho is just the same about Minoru Suzuki that I just love. And it's not like with Ishii, I get sick of his matches with Suzuki. He's just, I know what we're gonna get, but I just really, really enjoy it. Uh, Naito was able to keep Suzuki down for the pin to get the victory and of course the chant of murder grandpa I think all in all for a match that's just was after like a match of the year candidate this didn't do too bad yeah I think that was that was part of it they had to follow you know something like that they had to follow 
a really, really classic match. But I think it was a great change of pace, too. It was a different style. You know, it was in the trio format. It definitely had its rough points, like you mentioned, with Sting kind of being in the spot that he probably, at this stage, you know, he probably shouldn't be doing as much as they've been having him do, you know. So, uh, and I hate I hate that, but I also hate the fact that it seems like it's going to take something like what, what happened on Dynamite to get him to get them to slow down with it. It's the same thing that happened in my opinion with Jeff Hardy when it comes to AEW. Like sometimes you have to save these legends and these greats from their from themselves. You know, it's not that they they aren't still great and can't be great in in spots. But you know, at the end of the day, for all the time is undefeated and taking being the guy taking the most bumps on a team when you got someone like Darby, you know, in the situation. You know, it's kind of it's kind of crazy when you think about it. Uh, but I also, as a Naito mark, I just have to point this out that Naito really don't take AEW or American or just like non-Japanese wrestling. He doesn't really take it seriously. If you notice, he wrestled the whole match in his shirt, which is what he tends to do uh, <laughs> in matches that are not important. Like that's what he does on the road to shows. That's what he does in those in the trios matches. You know, he you know how he is in his regular match. You know, uh, over big matches, he, he's wearing a suit. He's doing what he does. But, uh, but yeah, I, I really love the energy that he brought. You know, he got a, a better introduction than almost any other New Japan wrestler. He treated for Forbidden Door like a road to show. He wrestled the whole match in a shirt. 64-year-old man taking the big bumps. Did not do his finisher. He said he's not going to take a bump for you guys. <laughs> and he won with his roll-up. So, and he left as fast as possible. Like, again, that, that's why I love Naito. He does not give a damn about anything, honestly, did his own interest. And really, if it's outside of that and selling merch, I don't know what moves Naito. He loves baseball. I know he loves that. That's about it. So, <laughs> I was saying to you, though, about MJF earlier. <laughs> And then Sonata and fucking Naito show up, and it's just like, yeah, we don't give a fuck. We can return that energy right back, right? We don't give a damn about you either. You're the true indie fan. Like, that's what I love. I love that attitude. Like, no, screw you guys, too. But, but yeah, uh, again, this was fun, but it was meant to be. Like you said, it still had its moments, even if it was, like, again, it's following, like, one of the most brutal and one of the best and most athletic matches I've ever seen. So you have to kind of, you know, take it with take it for what it was meant to be. But uh, it was still really, really fun. So I, I don't have a problem with it at all. Yeah, no, I gave it 3.95. Yeah, so as a matter of fact, I, I stopped around 3.9 also. I thought it was really, really good. Predictions that went faces were all on 10. And then the main event of the night was arguably the biggest dream match there is. Brian Danielson versus Kazuchika Okada. Uh, Danielson entered the arena to his old entrance music, the final countdown by Europe to battle Okada <laughs> for the first I was worried immediately. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh God, this is American Dragon. This ain't Danielson. <laughs> wow. To be fair, yeah, a lot of money was spent on the rights uh, and Danielson, <laughs> I think, didn't even know what happened. But you see the tears in his eyes as he was coming out, and the crowd was chanting, this is awesome, before they even made contact. So just how big, before yeah. we get into the action, is this as a dream match? Is this the biggest dream match we could get right now with the wrestlers available? I've been racking my brain, and I think, honestly, I'm trying to think, because I know pretty much Okada is the biggest you can get in Japan. It's like, but then you ask that question, like, who who in AEW is really bigger or 
or as far as like it's still really had like still going that we can think of that could fit. Because as much as I love Moxley, I can't make the case that Moxley would be a bigger match than this or any you know anything like that. So you know, really, it probably is the biggest match if you're just thinking about stars and you're just thinking about names when it comes to AEW that you can make. You know, even Chris Jericho at this stage, he has the name value, but at this stage of his career, no one is going to be pining to watch him versus Okada. So, you know, I think right now, and even with the Danielson being at this stage of his career, uh, I think we know what he brings to the tables from a skill level, from a technical standpoint. And uh, honestly, you know, this is really, really uh, probably as big as you can get. I, like, if you can, if you can think of something bigger, let me know. Because honestly, I, I really, I'm having a hard time coming up with something that can come back to. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. So we get into the action, and even though they're working at a brisk pace, making everything look good, you can see the pacing themselves and saving the big spots for later in the match. Danielson quickly found out how tough a carder is when he not only withstood several shots, but also invited the American Dragon to hit him harder. Danielson was more than happy to oblige. Both men avoided each other's signature moves several times before they took the fight out of the ring. Okada hit a tombstone pile driver on the ramp to turn the tide completely in his favour. After Okada hit a flying elbow, Danielson began to convulse. The referee called the doctors to check on him. Scary, now, by the way. That was, I don't know if it was fucking whatever, what, if it was real or what, but yeah. they, that was not, I don't like stuff that I, I hope. You know? I'm about to say, I really hope it was because don't play like that. Not serious. Please don't play with that. Like, man. That was scary. Scary. Uh, One thing they did mention, and again, something that you've mentioned before, was just how big a Carter is, especially (laughs) considering, you know, people think with Danielson with experience in WWE and a Carter powered over (laughs) him. Um, It looked like a Carter low landed on his arm and broke it. Uh, The question. Is well, I'll save the question because the American driver popped up, hit the flying knee, but was too hurt to make the cover. He counted a German suplex and hit a second knee for a two count before he's going to kick a Carter's fucking head in. Uh, Danielson's <laughs> arm was pretty useless, though. Uh, yeah, after a long struggle Ugh. to try and get it locked in, uh, Carter tapped out, which seemed to surprise not oh. only me, but the crowd and everyone else. The question is, and it's not the case of, oh, you know, Danielson beating a card or, as I said to everybody, WWE beating New Japan. Uh, It's a case, (laughs) should they have called an audible? Because at that point, with one hundred percent, you know? A hundred percent, in my opinion. You know, unless, but again, I also heard that some people and some AEW fans in the case to me, and I'll take that word for it, that maybe this was, this, seemed, this felt more like the beginning of something, that they wanted to do something again with O'Connor and Danielson. And maybe in Japan down the line, well, you know, with that injury, it's going to be way down the line now, you know, honestly, most likely. But, yeah, man, it was uh, – it was. I honestly wish they would have because of the, the, the significance of the injury. I think even though he can't, he did confirm it after the match that, you know, he fractured it or, you know, he, you know, he broke it, that it was pretty rough. I, like you said, you could tell. You could, it was like – it was nothing. It was, the match pretty much changed. Like as a matter of fact, I honestly think they could have probably been went to the net to another gear and went to maybe a level to where we start to question whether Omega and Osprey. I'm not saying they they would have because I can't really say that now not in hindsight. But you see what I'm saying? Like when you have an injury like that, you really it makes you wonder like how many more places could they have gone or did they want to go with that with that main event because but they couldn't because they knew he had. 
that type of injury. But yeah, I agree. Making someone tap like that when we know you're the one severely injured. And then again, this is the first time. Not only have, like I told you guys, Okada has never lost off, off out of Japan to my uh, knowledge. You know, other than like his days when he was a young boy or like on excursion, you know, that stuff don't count. But uh, this is also the first time he submitted since submitting to Shinsuke Nakamura in 2015. So another, like the method in which it happened was uh, completely out of left field for me. And honestly, I'm going to be honest with you. I had to kind of agree with the AEW fans about getting a, a rematch of some sort at some point because Okada usually never really loses and just leaves it at that. But with this injury and depending on how long it could be, I, I don't know if they may have been planning that for Wembley or possibly, like I said, in Japan down the line after the G1 or, you know, maybe towards Wrestle Kingdom for next year. Who knows? And they still can do that depending on how Danielson heals. But, yeah, man, uh, I was definitely in shock, and I'm pretty sure everyone was because I think that might have been may have been some of the reason why we got the, uh, Danielson winning in the first place or the fact they even went there because pretty much everyone coming in, there's like no way he's going to beat Okada, the juggernaut that Okada is. It's just he is that you just don't really believe that. And, uh, but, hell, I, I have to say, it was a really, really good match up until that point where the arm kind of broke. And then you just was like, ah, you know, it had this moment that you kind of like you, you probably would take out of it. But it also had some of the smoothest wrestling by two of the best in the world, honestly. Just And, you, and I think you still got a chance to see why this was a dream match. But. Did it live up to the hype? It's kind of like my question I have to have for you. Like, did this live up to your expectations coming in? Because, you know, it, 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 the, other than the shocking result, I don't know if it did, it did for me. I don't think it... The, the thing is, though, and it, again, it's almost like the American doll clashing with the Japanese because, again, with the tap out, you be have a card and looking for the rope more, you know, and, and then getting pulled back in the card and yeah. the ring rather than the kind of... Like you said, the Japanese way of just kind of being there and even like the guy letting go of the submission and actually getting it done. Uh, and the thing, you know, like I said, after Kenny uh, and Will to have these in this position, I mean, like I said, it could get up another level, but after the arm, they should have called the audible and finished it a little bit sooner or, or had yeah. something else. He's obviously got plans. Because he's but, insane. He wrestled like 10 minutes after it, right? It, Something like this. this is, and there's no <laughs> doubt in Danielson's toughness. But again, I'm worried that now in his career, we, when the injury's piling up and piling up, mm-hmm. you know, to, to mm-hmm. try and wrestle these kind of 30, 30 25-minute hard matches, you know, with your body breaking down. This is what Omega has struggled with these past few couple of years now as well. Uh, and, and Danielson finding it. I think with Ricardo, we've shown just how popular he is and how big. I'm a little bit disappointed because, again, if they're going to have Danielson and Ricardo at Wrestle Kingdom, they, I want the storyline with Ricardo with kind of Shooter and Renderit and the kind of young guns to kind of be like the main story, if you know what I mean, in the next year or so. So, again, it'll be interesting where it kind of fits in because I, I like this kind of a cocky Ricardo as proposed to the one in AEW, but I can see why they're doing it. Don't get me wrong, sure. but uh, yeah. as, you, as you said, when you yeah. put two of the best performers and it doesn't, you know what I mean? It's difficult. It's a situation. Right. Uh, but, you know, I'm not saying I was disappointed, but again, if we can see it again, but, you know, it, it's, it's going to be, it'll be interesting, wouldn't it? You know, like I said, the, the future with yeah. New Japan, with Okada, 
is kind of he's their boy. So to have him lose by tap out, they've obviously got a plan, you know. Right. Usually, it's something connected to this. Right. Like they don't. Like they don't lose. lose uh, Okada rarely loses without good reasons. The same thing his loss with to Sonata. They paid off a year storyline where he told Sonata years ago that you're my rival and I expect to see you soon. And you know, even though it took Sonata years to finally get to back to him, it, you know, they they finally put a bow on that. Usually, that's what happens when someone even not even beat. Okada, hell, if you come close to Okada, you sometimes you're setting up a, a storyline for the future. So, uh, and I agree 100%. Even if it's not the Shota or Rin, because they may not believe they're ready for that spotlight in the in a match with Okada, uh, I would love a, a, a Kaito rematch or like the guy, uh, you know, the, the world champ, former world champion from Noah, because uh, he got dominated so bad in in the one match they had for someone who's a world champion. You might want, you know, you might get a chance to get that run back because it seems like Noah, uh, Shingo Takagi was uh, just in Dragon Gate. Like, New Japan has been really, really doing a good job of just really in showing love to the entire scene of Japanese professional wrestling, giving everyone, uh, you know, chances to just fall in love, not only with their characters, but other characters from other promotions in Japan. And I really think after the pandemic, really, how it affected Japanese wrestling, I really can tell that they're putting way more of an effort to try to just help out and just put on the best possible show that they can across the board. And I think at the end of the day, Forbidden Door was a success in that regard. But I have to say, like you said, and let's just be honest, when it comes to hyped up matches like this, dream matches, it's all, it's kind of like with Shinsuke and AJ, you know, after the Wrestle Kingdom, like everyone wants them to go back to Wrestle Kingdom uh, 10 and do that. And I, I agree. I would have loved to see that style of match, but it was under the WWE umbrella. Would they really have that opportunity to capture that lightning in a bottle again? It's, it's tough. Like It's tough sometimes to live up to what people expect from you, especially when you've already done it. But in this case, this was something we've never before, uh, seen before, so they had a chance to, to set a tone or, or set even bigger expectations. And I just think that, like you said, they had a hard time, especially with the injury and with circumstances, living up to that. But it, I still don't think anyone looked uh, bad here. And then again, overall, I think that just shows also not only New Japan's respect for Danielson, but also the world's respect for who he is as a wrestler. Because no one that I saw, people, everyone was shocked that he won. But I never, I didn't see anyone shitting on the fact that he won, other than <laughs> like you just mentioned that he he probably shouldn't have won after breaking his arm like that and, and how it looked from that standpoint. But honestly, everyone still was like, wow, I can't believe he did it. But not, you know, hats off to Danielson for being a tough bastard. So, yeah, man, it was one of those things where it's like it's always tough when you're in that dream match element. But I do think these guys delivered a really good contest. And that's, sometimes that's all you can ask, especially with the circumstances. Yeah, I mean, it still gave it like a 4.95. So it, was still, it wasn't like a bad match. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, man. Four and, yeah, I gave it four and three quarters. Like, it's just a little, like, a, like you said, a little bit worse than what we got. But again, we got one of the greatest matches we've ever seen. <laughs> Plastered in there. And I think even the show overall, the show was really, really fun. You know, like we yeah. talk about here. Um, before that, actually, let me wrap it up because we all went to Cardinal with predictions. So final scores all on 11. So we all get a point. So it means, Monty, you're still in the lead with AEW. You win your second nice. New Japan show this year. You're on three. And uh, James, that's me, Gina and Jaxie are all on two. 
but for rating, well, match of the night, obviously, Will versus Kenny, I think would be fair mm-hmm. to say. Um, P, there's too many to mention, but I actually might say New Japan. Because you talk about, I don't think there's any other wrestling company that has worked so well with others. You know, even going back, back, mm-hmm. back in a day when they used to work with WCW, you know, and have uh, the you know Ric Flair uh, against the kind of the legends that we had, the Great Muta, of course, coming across the relationship with Impact that is working well for Impact at the moment because it means mm-hmm. they're actually selling out shows, uh, even if it was with you know wrestlers like Tanahashi as opposed to. Akada, uh, the stuff they're doing in Japan, uh, with you know, even with stardom and stuff like this as well. Uh, and mm-hmm. to let AEW, you know, to have a show with AEW and to let, you know, like I said, their biggest star, Akada, lose to Brian Danielson in the main event shows the faith they've got in themselves. And with the amount of egos and the kind of protection in wrestling, it's nice to see a company go, you can beat Akada because we know what we've got planned. You know what I mean? Rather than kind of... Right. Leave their own shit too much rather than just getting on with it. Yeah. Don't worry about outside forces. Worry about making your product the best. And that's why I've really enjoyed New Japan this year as well because the stories, like I said, make sense and we're excited for the future as well, you know? Right. I, I 100% can, uh, I can definitely ride with that. Like, you're, you're not, you're nowhere near off base. I think, like you said, New Japan and what they've been able to do. Uh, you know, and like they've really recaptured that feeling also in their own product, the feeling of a few years ago that they had before the pandemic. And, uh, you know, again, like you said, to still be able to uh, to do something like that. A guy like like we mentioned, like all the way up to this show, when we were talking about why certain matches had to be what they were. We were talking about what we know just as wrestling fans. And that's promotions having egos or not wanting their guys to look a certain type of way and for them to throw that curveball in there and be willing to not only respect Danielson and AEW enough, but like I said, look at their guy and like, at the end of the day, like, nah, he's Okada. He's fine. He's going to be fine. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, we're not really worried about Okada at all. He'll be fine. So, you know, uh, I, I really love that message. Uh, Naito is definitely one of my MVPs. Again, Sonata, great. Looked like a, looked like a champion. Uh, but honestly, it's just hard for me to not give it to uh, Will Ospreay. I know what he's putting his goddamn body through. He's he's another guy. Like We talked about Kenny, but, man, he he limped his way into this tournament and into this match. And to be able to put on one, one of the most physical contests I've just ever seen, you know, uh, and then going – this is a month before he has to compete in the G1. So, you know, it's just – it's just one of those things where it's like, how how many times can I give Osprey love and respect for just doing what he does? He obviously really, really loves what he does. And it's just, again, he's just, I, I don't see how, like, he may, may not be able to say that for long because of the way his body holds up. But it's really hard for anybody to make a case against Osprey being, if not the best in the world, definitely in the top three uh, right now. Just, just uh, especially when you think about quality. Of what he does. Yeah. Uh, and what's weird as well, we're going to talk about this because we're going to balance each other out a little bit. Because obviously, I know how much of a New Japan fan you are. So if people say there's a little bit of bias on your part, hopefully, I kind of mm-hmm. bring that down. Is that the same as when we do Money in the Bank next week? You're going to have to bring me back down to earth with right. that. Right. <laughs> uh, but I mean, the rating of the show, I mean, I've rated it pretty fucking high, you know? So yeah. for, me, for me personally, I really enjoyed the show. You know, uh, like I said, everything I thought had a purpose. The buy-in did any four matches. I think they just went fast enough as well. 
Really liked the opener. Punk match was great. Four-way, Sonada, the Elite, just everything was building. Women's match, maybe a little bit disappointing. Will and Omega was fantastic. Uh, and even the main event was good. So I'm going to give this a 9.5 out of 10. So whatever you score it, surely it can't be <laughs> as bad as that. What are you going to give it? <laughs> Yeah, uh, honestly, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm just a little bit under at nine and a quarter. Like you said, really, really great pay-per-view. Honestly, I must say that, you know, I hate to say, I, now you want, you want I, I said I don't want to sound biased, but watch these, you know, compared to last month with double or nothing, like, oh my God, like New Japan made them yeah. really look really good if you want to compare it to double or nothing and just like the overall show. After that cluster, so it was really good for AEW to kind of get back into the swing of things uh, and put on a really, really strong show. And like you said, 11, 11, pretty much 14, like we still got 13 out of the 14 matches that was originally scheduled. And at the end of the day, I think they end up pacing everything pretty well. It was nothing in single digits, nothing remarkably short. You know, like you said, the only disappointing thing you could think about maybe was the women's match. But I think the girls still worked hard and still did a good job, like you said. So... It was a really, really strong show. I, I have nothing bad to really say about it. The only thing I'll say going forward with Forbidden Door is that hopefully in the year, in the years to come, because I think I did read that they will be continuing to do this annually. At least that's the plan going forward right now. Uh, I, I just hope that we get more, more Osprey. And, even though I know this show may feel like you don't need it, because you could throw all these get together these matches and still end up with qu great quality stuff. But I think they got a lot to do with the talent. I want more Omega and Osprey type builds coming into this. I want the whole show to feel like what yeah. that match felt like. It may not be like that in quality, but I want the investment to feel that way. You know what I'm saying? Because unfortunately, because AEW is always trying to do so much at one time, yeah. we never get the build that this show deserves, especially leading up to it. But we still got a really, really good shot of it. I hope they don't think since we got that show that they can just continue to just throw these cards together and, and hope we can just put the, help the wrestlers just save them on it. No, I want that type of build for everything. Well, this is the thing, and it reminds me then of like ECW One Night Stand. You know, when they brought back ECW, yeah. and that first event was was mental because you know to see the old ECW back, weren't sure what the card was, and it's great. You know, in the second year, yes, we had a great main event, I think, RVD and Cena, and then the rest mm -hmm. of the cards. And then the mm -hmm. next year, and like you said, it, it's all well going, oh, him versus him. But if it doesn't mean anything, if there's no reason for it to happen, like yeah. this year, you were lucky because, like we said, we had the Will and Kenny stuff at Wrestle Kingdom and then the Dream Match. Mm -hmm. Like I said, everything else could have been put together. It made for a better show, but like you said, it, when you haven't got, like, FTR and Bisherman, which would have made more sense than probably right. stuff on the cards. You know, like, um, it's interesting to see. And also, like I said, with politics, with CM Punk and Kenta and, and other stuff like that. Um, but again, this year's event, I think, really, really delivered. Uh, it, it, what's your, like I said, final thoughts on um, Forbidden Door? Yeah, I, again, I'm, I'm looking forward to what they decide to do go, uh, going forward in this working relationship. Uh, I would like to see, like, will we get more, uh, you know, more intersection of the brand? You know, like you said, will it be another Osprey or, I mean, not necessarily Osprey, but another Omega or another AEW type of talent, uh, Eddie Kingston, any of them? Could, will they be at Wrestle Kingdom when we see New Japan guys go to Wembley? You know, I know Tanahashi 
all has talked about how much of an honor it would be to actually wrestle at Wembley. You know, I know he won't be able to do what he wanted to do and be the first Japanese uh, wrestler who'd be world champion there, but it's still, you know, it would be nice to see what can they pull off. Like, hell, I know you guys, I know AW, I know you in the crowd would love to see a Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, TV title match just for the hell of it in, in Wembley. Like, why not? You know, so again, uh, I, I just, I really want to see what they decide to do in this relationship because I think at the end of the day, both brands, you know, really make each other better when they work together. I think you can see that with the quality of this show. And again, it's just one of those things that I, uh, that, that that you really want to see. Like, how many can we muster up another, you know, dream match that we maybe we didn't know we wanted? We can't think of it right now. But like, who, you know, can Shingo have a one-on-one match next year with someone who can be just as physical as him from the AEW side of things? You know, and I think that's the thing. Like, how can we build up more of AEW stars so you won't have to rely on a Danielson to have you have a dream match? Can you get? You know, some of the other talents like Powerhouse Hobbs, Miro, and some of these other guys, Ricky Stark, can they be in this position against some of Japan's Like we kind of see with Sonata, we see Shota, we see a lot of that. We see the new era of New Japan also sprinkled in here, but not so much on the same side when it comes to AEW, other than like having Max out there. And, you know, of course, you got Orange Cassidy and Darby on the card. But you know what I mean? Like, can we continue to establish stars like New Japan has? Yeah. And build other build other people up. Well, because like you said, otherwise it becomes like WWE versus New Japan in a way, because you've kind of Yeah. Like, then we need Jericho you know, every yeah. year. Like no, Jericho, we don't need Jericho match Punk. every year. And, you know, even like yeah. Adam Cole, it's it's association. So when you have got right. AEW talent, the MJF, you know, and stuff like that, it's like, okay, that's what you want. And that's what you kinda of, like you said, build it up uh, and see what happens there, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, so that, I think that's it. I mean, it's a great show. I flew by, and I survived it, Monty. I told you all, but didn't I? <laughs> yes, you did. You yeah. very impressive performance, man. Because after a big events like that, I, I don't know. And also, we did a good job. Of I almost mistakenly did it, but I was like, nope, not fair. Not going to do it. I, I did a good job of not comparing anything I saw <laughs> yesterday oh to, to Forbidden Door no, because no, it just no. wouldn't even be right. Because you want to talk about investment, like, oh, my goodness. But, yeah, let's, let's just we'll, – we'll worry about that next week. Like you said, really, really strong show and a strong pay-per-view to review. So it was really, really cool. Yeah, and like I said, that is it. Don't forget all social media. Twitter at the Dubner Podcast. I'm at the WNRJR. You can find the entire Dubner team on Twitter banner. Monty, where can people find and listen to you? At my Monty Pod on Twitter. You can also go to uh, YouTube and uh, on Mind of Monty. Uh, you know, uh, we may have a, uh, a update uh, coming soon, a personal update. Just letting you know how things have been going, you know, moving and getting established with a routine when it comes to now and now that I am a parent, all that type of stuff. And we will definitely touch on the major uh, headlines uh, from the wrestling world, as I tend to do from time to time. So, yeah, uh, check that out when it releases. But, uh, yeah, check me out at my monthly pod on Twitter. You can go to James's. You can go to the Dubner Podcast banner. You can go there. Or, like I said, Mind of Monty on YouTube. Check me out. Yeah, awesome. Dubner also on Facebook and Instagram across all Google platforms. And there's an email at Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, I did meet quite a few guys as well. Like I said, the O2 Friday and Saturday night. I didn't get any names, but <laughs> I got some names. But again, we'll how it is. So hopefully people can email. Uh, it's a long night. And stuff like that. We'll have a chat. Yeah, oh, my God. 
We can chat about it next week. Uh, YouTube love podcast. We have latest clips of podcasts. We've got the same time on YouTube. Do SoundCloud on your phone. Also Spotify and iTunes where you can download, subscribe, rate and review there. So our next episode, like I said, is the Money in the Bank review. Would I have calmed down <laughs> in the seven days? I'm I'm hoping. <laughs> I'm hoping. But it all seems just like a blur, you know, like even from I've been in like a, a wrestling bubble since Thursday, ever since fight uh, AW fight forever came out. Is it called fight forever? <laughs> I don't remember what it's called. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not very good, but again, I'm not here. Double our game review coming soon. <laughs> I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to sleep for 24 hours now, at least. Or at least seven days until the next podcast. Uh, but until then, I'm James Ronan's I was joined by the mind of Monty. Again, Monty, thank you very much for joining me today, man. And we got it done. Yes, we got through it. And you get you some rest because I know you need it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, bye. <laughs>